Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Hi again, everybody, and welcome to Dialed In. I'm Tom Brenneman. Coming up on the show today, we'll be joined by Charlie Goldsmith from out in Goodyear, Arizona, for Cincinnati.com, covering your Cincinnati Reds. We come your way twice a week. Now, here's the deal. A lot of you have asked about this, right? Mondays, we're going to be live at 9.15 on Chatterbox Sports. We will post later in the day for those of you downloading on the Believe Network. And wherever you find your podcast, you can find us. Just search Dialed In with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. Fridays, we're both on Believe and Chatterbox. Chatterbox starting at noon following off the bench. So that's 12 o'clock Eastern. You can always join us on YouTube, Chatterbox Sports page. Friday, we're trying to have every week our big interview. So week one, we had Chip Carey from the St. Louis Cardinals. And then last week, we had Chris Myers from Fox Sports. He had come off the Daytona 500 coverage. He was kind enough to join us. If you want to know what's going on, we'll let you know. Follow us on X at ChatterboxSports.com. We'll get to Charlie here in about three minutes. We begin with college basketball. And what was just two weeks ago, a really good season. It looked like an NCAA tournament season for the UC Bearcats. Things have gone straight south. They had that huge win back on February the 3rd against ranked Texas Tech. They had not lost a home game all year long. UC rolls in there and beats them. Well, since then, they've lost four out of five, including Saturday's train wreck at TCU. The Horned Frogs beat UC by 18 in Fort Worth. And guess who they play tonight? The number one team in the country, Houston, in Houston. Wes Miller's team still has a chance not saying they're out of an NCAA tournament, although that light is fading quickly. Tonight would be an enormous win, a step in the right direction. You know, kind of like a team. What has happened to Victor Lockett? Here's a guy that was a team's leading scorer last year. He has double figures in 12 of the first 17 games this year. He got sick, okay? The whole team got sick, right? But he comes back. Since then, a total of 12 points in seven games, 12 points in seven games after going double figures, 12 of the first 17 games. Two of the last three, he barely played at all. And in two of the last three, he didn't score at all. Puzzling. As for Xavier, its hopes of an NCAA tournament pretty much have come down to winning the Big East tournament. And how likely is that? Yeah. Yesterday, the Muskies fell behind by double digits at number seven, Marquette. They go on to get just hammered. 88-64, the final. Xavier now one game under 500 overall. They're two under in the Big East. Xavier has not had a losing season since 1996. That's how long it's been. Kentucky, meanwhile, big bounce back win for them. Like an NBA game. Down at Rupp Arena over the weekend. They beat number 13, Alabama, 117 to 95. Cats shoot 63% from the field, 54% from three. They're 19 and 8 on the year. Ohio State ends a 17 game road losing streak with a buzzer beating three to beat Michigan State yesterday. That's two big wins under their interim head coach. Beat Purdue and they beat Michigan State. 
The biggest story in college basketball over the weekend was in Winston-Salem, where Wake Forest shocks number eight, Duke, 83-79. What followed immediately after the game was the big deal, where the Blue Devers' leading scorer and rebounder, seven-footer Kyle Flapowski, was injured when Demon Deacon fans stormed the court. Flapowski apparently collided with a number of fans, suffered some kind of a leg injury, had to be helped off the floor. How severe that injury is, we do not know. Duke plays at Louisville at home this weekend. NFL Combine starts today in Indianapolis. Two big stories. Ian Rappaport is reporting the Bengals have officially tagged T. Higgins. The other big story, what do the Bears do with the number one pick? Do they keep Justin Fields? Or do they take Caleb Williams and trade Fields? Lots going on there. And in baseball, big news out of Mesa, Arizona. The Cubs bring back Cody Bellinger, three years, $80 million. Hard to figure. After they had him on their team all year last year, he knocked in nearly 100 runs, hits 26 home runs, has a great year. And it's the second week of spring training before they get the deal done. And lastly, the Reds off to a good start. They've won their first two games. With more on that, let's go to our main man out there in the cloudy confines of Arizona. From Cincinnati.com, Charlie Goods. Charlie, what in the world is going on? I was expecting nothing but blue skies above you today. Yeah, I'm an open book about the weather, and I'll tell it how it is. Today is the first kind of crummy morning. It had been perfect, but today is a bit of a change of scenery. Well, you know, I've always told people who are going out to Arizona for spring training, because I lived out there 14 years, I've always told them that, that basically from about that second or third week of February till basically about the 10th, 11th, 12th of March, if you can move your trip back beyond the 12th of March, I would do it. Because this is a time of the year you just don't know. It could be perfect, like you said, and then all of a sudden it's cold and, and the wind's blowing and it ruins a good vacation. All right. Neither here nor there. Uh, your thoughts over the weekend. The Reds win the first two games. Uh, Hunter Green started the game yesterday. What were the big takeaways from the first two games for you? That's a good question. Um, I would say the biggest thing with Hunter Green especially was the first time he threw that curveball ever in a game that, you know, any sort of game was full count leadoff batter. And such a big thing with Hunter Green throughout his career with his third pitch, which had been his changeup, was – he just wasn't throwing it. You know, when it came time to, you know, either go for it or not go for it, Hunter Green went to his fastball and his slider. And I get it. I'd probably do the same thing, go down with what you're most confident in. But in this spring training environment, he knows he's basically one pitch away from making the jump from very good young starter to very good to great starter. So moments like that are kind of what you want to see. Uh, an up and down overall start from him, but you like to see him throwing the curveball and the splitter, which he said was really fantastic. You know, uh, the, the, there's, there's a lot of news on the injury front and kind of bring us up to date because, look, I, I'm not speaking for you, but I have always said in, the, in this HIPAA day and age and all these kinds of things that when people tell you about players and their injuries, we're really not getting the full story, and that's not anybody's fault. Uh, let's start with India. Now, I have had plantar fascia for the better part of 15 years. I've seen every doctor known to man, literally from coast to coast. And the only thing that got it better for me, I went to, to Tim Kremchek, and those guys gave me PRP, where they take blood out of your arm, they spin it in a machine, they go back and they inject the areas of the tears around the plantar fascia, and that's the only way it got better for me. I had it forever, and it's brutal. 
Where is he on all of this? So I've learned a lot about the heel throughout this process. So plantar fasciitis is basically a ring. Last year, there were micro tears on yep. that ring that India pushed through and had to, they had to re recover on their own and it didn't quite sync up and he was pushing in the end. In the offseason, that ring actually broke, which sounds bad, but is good because now that means he wouldn't need surgery. The line they're using is he can't re-injure it. It was injured and now it's healing, but it can still get aggravated. It can still be sore. It can still be, you know, painful or, or nagging or, or something like that. That's what that's what India dealt with during the offseason. He's going really through a rehab progression to get all the way back. He won't play until spring games until about the 7th or 8th of March, but He's been taking live batting practice all spring. He's been doing agility and running work and all of that. They just want to really manage his workload. They don't want him, like, set him loose on the bases in an uncontrolled game environment. Keep it in a controlled setting. But he is doing everything, fielding ground balls, swinging, running, all of that. Okay, well, that, that, that's something I'm, I, I am really going to keep an eye on because, like I said, I had it seemingly forever and tried everything. And the only thing that worked – was the PRP injections. And once you get one of those, you go into a boot for four weeks. They give you a second injection. You're in a boot for another four weeks. So, I, I mean, I hope and pray for his sake that this thing does indeed uh, heal with, with some rest, and, and, and we'll see how it plays out. Then there's Nick Lodolo. I saw where he, yep. you're reporting, uh, that he is going to start throwing live batting practice. Not in games, live batting practice. What does that mean for him and the chances of being ready in the starting rotation by opening day. So he threw that live batting practice two days ago. He looked great. The, the breaking ball was spinning like it usually does. He was elevating the sinker and getting good results. Also, it's very notable when he threw that live batting practice, the whole brain trust was there. There was very much a, a focus on where Lodolo and where he's at. David Bell's line has been, if everything goes perfect, he'll be ready for opening day. Okay. What I've seen uh, is everything has gone Everything has gone perfect so far. But again, it's a very rare, unique injury um, that honestly, you know, they, 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 it took them a little bit to pinpoint what it was. Originally diagnosed as a calf, then a stress reaction in the tibia. It's coming off his drive foot. There really isn't a track record of pitching through this. So for all those reasons, they're, they're just managing it carefully. They're continuing to see where he's at. It's been good so far, but he's still got a lot of room to grow. Um, what is, what is David Bell? I mean, he, look, he's got so much going on here with so many players. It's a good problem to have one. Really. He's never had his tenure as a manager of the Reds where there's, there's an abundance of talent and there is very good depth. They keep bringing in these veteran guys, Ford and, you know, and, and guys like that to all of a sudden, at least take a look at. So has he laid out to you or anybody else sort of what it is on a day-by-day, week-by-week thing he wants to see from anybody in particular? In the spring or during the season when they in get the these spring. lineups? In the spring, yes. Here in the spring as we go day-by-day, week-by-week. Because, look, they've laid it on the line. They've said mm -hmm. some of these young players, they need to play well here in spring training. So I guess that's where I'm going. So – like Tony Kemp, for example, a great example. They've been looking at him all offseason. And Mike Ford's another guy who, like, they wanted to add that type of guy. They wanted to add Tony Kemp type of guy because they lost their entire AAA infield from last year. Um, they have all this infield depth at the major league level, but entering the spring, they are one injury away from adding a guy who really didn't have much of a track record, needing to call him up to the big league roster. Like, dear Matt McClain and Ellie De La Cruz with their AAA infield depth. 
This year, obviously, that's their starting middle infield. So all of these veterans, Josh Harrison as well, Mark Mathias, they give them some reinforcements, some break in case of emergency type of guys. But I don't see a world where, you know, even Ellie De La Cruz, you know, he, as much as he struggled at the plate last year, the guy he was in August and September by about just about every metric was just a more valuable player than Josh Harrison, than Tony Kemp, than Mike Ford because of what Ellie contributes defensively, base running, the offensive ceiling. He's also a guy they really want to see at-bats from. So what do they want to see from these guys continuing the adjustment process? Uh, but they obviously have a lot of confidence in them, and then they've continued to kind of backfill the organizational depth with minor league deals. You're still dialed in very much on the Bengals' front. Mm -hmm. You cover them regularly. Uh, Ian Rappaport, you may have heard in our monologue, is reporting the Bengals have officially tagged T. Higgins. Combine starts today. You think the Bengals are sitting around in a, in a suite somewhere taking calls to see what they might be able to get in a sign and trade? So it always gets my attention when one team does one thing and every other team does something else. And the Bengals have tagged T. Higgins and no one else has really gone through that official transaction process yet. So clearly there's something happening here. Now, I'm going to keep stressing this same point that I made kind of when they were negotiating or trying to negotiate contract extensions, which was it was always a negotiation. There was something that T. Higgins would have accepted. There was something the Bengals would have accepted. They couldn't meet in the middle. Now, with the trade stuff, if, you know, obviously this won't happen, if the Bears offered the Bengals the number one pick, all right, you're definitely taking that. If all you're getting is a third rounder or a fourth rounder, because the team knows that it would have to trade for T and then sign him to a market deal that would probably have to be very aggressive. You know, it's all about where that pick or where that value lands in the middle. So I don't think there's it's necessarily a binary trade Higgins or don't trade Higgins. I think the responsible thing to do is to entertain offers and see how aggressive teams are willing to get. But at the end of the day, personally, my opinion and my approach is it would really have to be something that doesn't just blow you away, but really floors you to make it worth losing a potential Pro Bowl, All-Pro caliber type player in a year where Joe Burrow wants him back, where Zach Taylor wants him back, where the offense really needs him because of their high expectations. Hey, I'm curious. You know, we talked about the Bengals being well under the salary cap from a monetary standpoint during this past season and where they were going into the season. Then we learned over the weekend they've upped the salary cap even more, which we knew was coming. Uh, in the NFL. Does that change the Bengals' strategy now that that number's been clearly defined? Not a ton and not in huge ways because, like, a rising tide lifts all boats. So, like, if you want the Bengals to go out and get Grover Stewart, a nose tackle, maybe he was going to get eight. Now he's going to get ten because every team has more to work with. And so that's all relative. But one thing it does impact is the players already under contract with your team. So, like, especially when you look at potential cap casualties. Joe Mixon now put in his own boat. But maybe like a Nick Scott, you know, you've got a couple extra million to work with. Nick Scott <clears throat> is a fantastic special teamer. They want more veterans in that defensive back room. Maybe it makes more sense to keep a Nick Scott. Maybe, you know, I, I didn't expect B.J. Hill would be a cap casualty anyway, but maybe there's extra reason to keep a guy like him on board. It makes the contracts you have on your roster more valuable. All right, Charlie. Uh, oh, last thing I want to ask you, because, I mean, you really cover everything better than anybody in this whole town. Uh, UC done with their uh, NCAA tournament chances, you know, barring, of course, winning the Big 12 tournament where you're an automatic qualifier. They still got a shot? No shot this year, but here's what's so interesting to me, and I keep going back to this. Like, I think Xavier's going to need a whole new team next year around Desmond Claude and a couple of the freshmen. UC, 
they're in a, such an interesting spot because they can run it back. Next year could be, you know, Day-Day and Jizzle at the point, Simas, um, Bandego, Reynolds, Skillings. Uh, basically, except for Newman and Frederick, they could bring the same core back, lock in. But is this core good enough to really double down on? You know, they've been so close in all these games. Do you want to say, you know, one more year of continuity brings you over the top next year? Or do you need to go out and kind of replace these guys in the transfer portal? Like, that's something I don't have the answer to because they've been so close. That's why these games matter to me. Like, you know, their last game was a red flag, certainly. Um, I need to know whether or not these pieces in place are the building blocks they're supposed to be. All right. Charlie, we uh, thank you so much for your time. I know you got to race off uh, inside the locker room doors, come flying open in about three minutes from now. Who, who's on your top of the list to talk to this morning besides a manager? And then we'll let you go. So uh, Brett Butler was here yesterday. He's the right. Oh, man. Love that guy. Open. Really? Tell him hello. Is he not there anymore? He was there yesterday, but I'm, okay. I'm talking to TJ Friedel today about Brett Butler, the, uh, bu the bunting consultant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that guy was a fantastic player. Love that guy, Brett He can still, still, still lays him down as well as anyone. Oh, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. All right, Charlie, thank you so much for your time, my friend. Have a good day. Thank you. All right, Charlie Goldsmith from Cincinnati.com. Brett Butler, for some of you that don't remember Brett, and a lot of you are on the younger side. This was a guy who's probably about 5'8", doesn't weigh more than 160 pounds maybe. I'm going to check this real quick because I don't like doing this stuff while we're on the air, but I, I'm just curious myself. He was the best bunner maybe in the history of baseball, but he was also a heck of a baseball player. Boy, apparently there's somebody else named Brett Butler that's famous. Some woman actress? Anybody ever heard of her? Nope. No, I never. Casey, you never heard of her? Never heard of her. Okay. Well, I mean, I thought the Brett Butler would pop up. This guy, they list him at 5'10". They say 160. I was spot on. This guy had almost 2,400 hits. A career batting average of 290. Career on base percentage of 380. I mean, this guy, how many stolen bases? Over 550 stolen bases. You do games where Brett Butler was a leadoff man, wherever he played. He was in Cleveland for a while, big free agent contract with the Giants, goes to the Dodgers, but he would lead off. And, and it was, it, I've never seen any player before like it, and I never saw any player again like it. The third baseman would play all the way, about halfway, three quarters of the way down the line to try and take away the butt. And you heard Charlie just say it. This guy would come up to the plate, left-handed batter, and just put down a butt, and, and there was nothing they could do because he ran so well. And then all of a sudden, here we go. I mentioned over 550 stolen bases. He was just an, an excellent leader. Uh, he had a battle after his career through some cancer. Uh, it's really good to hear that the Reds are bringing a guy like this in. I had no idea. That had not been reported on, or at least that, not that I had seen that Butler had come in uh, to work with, with some of the players and especially a guy like Friedel. Uh, because the bunt, you get 10, 15, 18, 19, 20 bunt hits a year. Think of the amount of batting average on base percentage, stolen bases, run score that can mean for a guy like Friedel at the top of the order. That's a, that's a good move by the Reds. All right, uh, coming up at 10 o'clock, Casey, you're going to be here right in the saddle. By the way, you went to FC Cincinnati yesterday. I left out of the monologue. 
The best team during the regular season of the, uh, of the MLS last year, Cincinnati, uh, opened its season yesterday at TQL Stadium. You were there with your bride and your in-laws. I was. I and was give me a full report. How do they look? Um, One game in, but how do they look? I would say for, they, for them to have so many start, new starters on the roster, for this game particularly, um, they had some promise. I think that there's some chemistry issues still. Uh, Barial leaving when he did and then having to go find a guy uh, to try to replace that production there with, I think his name is Oreño. Okay. It's uh, spelled with two L's, and I think he's um, Hispanic heritage there, Argentinian. So I think that's how you pronounce it, Oreño, Oreña, something okay. like that. I think he will end up being a really good left wing on this team. I think the connection between him and Acosta just needs a little work. Uh, I think there were some times where they were wanting to just hit the quick shot where Acosta was wanting him to kick it over the top of the defense, stuff like that. Um, just communication issues there on offense. Clearly, it was a 0-0 tie. Our defense, our back line is, is great. Miles, Rob Miles Robinson, as advertised, great defender. Um, Stepped in there for Matt Miaska since he was still suspended after last year. I think he comes back the next game. Um, I was a little, uh, a little upset that Bupenza didn't play a whole lot. I know what they're trying to do, trying to save some of the energy because they play a lot of games back-to-back -back here. Yep. Um, I think he would have made a difference. There's also one goal that was taken away from them, which... Ruined my parlay, by the way, people that are watching. Uh, that was taken away because of a foul inside the box. I thought it was – they probably should have won that uh, that game based off of that foul alone. I, I didn't think it was worthy of the call that was on the field. But, hey, they were calling everything. Okay. The, the strike for the refs is still ongoing, and that had a big effect on the sure. game too early. Um, so, yeah, I mean, overall the team just needs to get more – chemistry together and i think uh defensively they're they're still stalwart defense well they were great defense last year and that was a big reason why they they advanced to the uh, conference finals the final four um for winning the cup and of course got beat by columbus shockingly in that conference final uh last thing i want to ask you before we get out of here uh, I, I mentioned that ian rapaport is reporting this morning that now it's official you heard from charlie they have tagged they the bengals they have tagged T. Higgins. I have to believe, and really you're not doing your job if this isn't the case. I have to believe that they are reaching out. I mean, this is where all the general managers are there, right? Right. All the head coaches are there. All the position coaches are there, at least most of them, to watch all these potential draft picks. But the two biggest stories have to do with whether or not there will be trades. And the only one we really care about around here is T. Higgins. You think that he will now be traded or the possibility Ooh. has increased at all? I do think the possibility has definitely increased um, significantly with this news. I, it's still weird to me that he like doubled down on the report. There's nothing on at least Twitter from what I checked this morning that it's official. But he claims that it's official, so I'm going to assume, because Ian Rappaport is usually uh, he's pretty, very, pretty yeah, spot he's on guy. Yeah, pretty he's good. pretty good on yeah. it. He's pretty much on it. Yeah. I, would, 
I would say if it's true, if he's officially tagged, that that means that there's a very high likelihood that they are going to this combine. Ears open. They're wanting to see what the, the, the waters are out there, see if there's anyone willing to trade them how they value T. And we know that they very much love T. Yeah. They won't trade him for pennies on the dollar. They're wanting to get that first round, that high second round pick, maybe even more than that. I wouldn't be surprised if they were looking for maybe something outrageous, which is not a bad thing, right? They already are going into this year with the plan in mind that they were going to attack T anyways, that they had already planned and accounted for having T on the roster. Yep. So they are really just keeping the door open in case someone is crazy right. enough to trade them something outrageous, like a first, two firsts, or a first and a second high, a high second, something of that nature. The thing that's going to hurt this whole Higgins thing at the end of the day, because look, I, I mean, there's something wrong with you if you don't love T. Higgins. Seriously. I mean, he comes across as a great kid. He says all the right things. He loves playing here and wants to be here. He has said that. Okay. And I, you know, I, I'm going to get rid of that, that agent thing because if, if, if he has the same agent as Jesse Bates had, the agent's job is to get the player signed, not to create some friction and problem based on some other guy. That's his job. And, I, and I'm going to believe that he is going to approach it that way. This guy's a professional, okay? But the thing that's going to hurt the Bengals on this whole thing is, is Higgins' injury history. Every year, it's a couple of games here, three games there. Last year, it was early with a rib. Then later in the year with some leg problems. So when he's healthy, all of us have seen it. I mean, he's capable of being an 80, 90 catch guy for 1,200 yards, whatever it might be, even with Chase around. Right. But he never plays a full season. So, you know, you, you say to yourself, if you're the Bengals, and this is a huge decision, do we keep the band together one more year? The band being Higgins, Chase, Burrow, fill in the rest of the pieces. Or are there enough good wide receivers in the draft that we could feel like what we got coming back is pretty good, although losing Higgins and Boyd in one offseason would be a big, big, big hit. Big question marks with both those cats gone. Not to say they can't be replaced because their production really wasn't that great last year. But they didn't make the playoffs last year. The production from both of those guys was really good when they were making the playoffs. So we'll find out. All right, we'll be coming your way later in the week. Again, a reminder, okay, starting now and moving forward, we're live at 9.15 on Chatterbox Sports. So go to YouTube, Chatterbox Sports. We'll post later in the day on the Believe Network. And then we come back on Fridays at noon here on Chatterbox and posting as well our big interview. Casey, thank you, my friend. Of course You don't. and me, pal. You and me. Like it started and we keep on rolling. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Casey McAllister, our producer engineer, we thank him for all his great work. We thank many of you jumped in on the chat first day out of the shoot. Not bad. Yeah. A good turnout uh, for, for hardly any advertising on that. Uh, thank you guys for joining in. Um, I know we're going to be ending here at like 940 here. If you want to just stick around, I'm going to redirect us to off the bench. We'll be starting here in about 20 minutes or so. Okay. So, uh, yeah, stick around. 
I hope you enjoyed this little primer before your Chatterbox week. That's right. So. That's right. So thanks to Casey. Thanks to all of you. We thank everybody at Chatterbox and at the Believe Network. I'm Tom Brenneman. This is Dialed In. We'll see you on Friday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.